I'm Danielle, and you're listening to The Flash Podcast. Welcome back to the Flash Podcast, your pocket for all things related to CW's The Flash, starring Grant Gustin as Baron Slash The Flash. I want to host Andy B, as always, and we are my amazing co-hosts, Amy Marie and Brittany Rivera. How, how, how are you ladies doing tonight? Very good. Uh, and joining us is is another, is uh, for, the, for the second week, week in a row, uh, she, I mean, she's no stranger to you guys. She's Miss Lauren Galloway. Lauren, how are you doing tonight? Hey, Andy. Hey, Brittany. Hey, Amy. I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on tonight. Uh, well, we were so happy to have you, Lauren. I thank you for joining us. And Andrew couldn't join us tonight because he's, I think, I believe he's packing for some trips. So, uh, but we probably we will probably see him again for the uh, when he come after the hiatus is over. Which, yeah, we hiatus are never pretty. But before we get to this week's is episode, he's packing of, for a trip to the. F- obviously, what? he's going to meet emo Barry. He needs to be sure to bring some more hair gel. Barry's out. What? I don't know why this became a thing that people just lost their minds over. Like the minute the trailer came out, I, like every spoiler alert, people just lost their bleep. Like I'm like, is why is because, this so fascinating? Well, if you want to get in, it's like the same idea. My friend brought this up, you know, in the Red Kryptonite episode of Supergirl, where she goes all evil by dressing up super gorgeous and putting on lipstick and makeup. It's just a definition of like super. That kind of evil villainess must be uh, really hot and attractive. And then this idea that a depressed version of himself has to be emo and depressed with the really long snape hair and and the darkness. So it's just one of those very quintessential overrepresentation stereotype almost of these emotions, which is fine because it does the job. That's- Let's make him emo. All right. So before we get to this week's episode of the of the Flash, we got we got some quick uh, Flash news um, to just quickly discuss. And I, I just realized I made two puns in just tw- two seconds. So that's horrible. So Amy, what what character is popping up uh, later this season, or, or what's what's remaining of the season? We are going to see Tracy Brand, who has recently been cast. The actress who will be playing her is Anne Dudick from House. The character Tracy is described as a smorgasbord of quirky idiosyncrasies, showing nary a hint of the greatness that people will celebrate her for in the future. Tracy will set out to find the genius she's destined to become day to to one day become. Um, does anyone know who this character is, Tracy Brand? I have very limited knowledge. She's, I've got she's a new character. She's a oh, new okay. character. Okay, excellent. Yeah, she's 
I know who Andudic is, and I really like Andudic. If any listeners um, have seen any of the first three seasons of Covert Affairs or the Psych pilot, Andudic was originally Juliet in Psych before she was recast by Maggie Lawson. Uh, I think she's going to be a really fun character, and I'm wondering if we're going to meet her in the future. And then when Barry goes back in time, he'll meet her past version. And that's kind of where he gets the idea that she's supposed to be somebody from the future. Could always be a code. And, you know, I, mean, I mean, we know how these shows can be. Like, it's it's like when, you know, Air did uh, Tina Boland, AK was Diana Drake. You know, maybe Tracy Brand is someone from the DC lore that we don't know about yet. Um, I only remember her from one episode of How About Your Mother. She was the girl who, I think she is, you know, attacked Ted in the middle of a bar and just started strangling him to death. So that's all, that's the only image I have of her because I haven't you seen mean, her. You, you mean every episode? No, that was Barney being strangled by by whoever he was saying, but he liked that for some reason. Um, but yeah, that's the only time I've ever seen this actor. So, um, I don't know, for a second, I thought, I mean, I don't know if this ev- this episode supports that evidence, supports that theory, but I almost thought for a second, you know, what is this? Maybe someone that will replace Caitlin or whatnot. Um, don't you dare. I, no, don't no, you no, dare. No, 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 no. I couldn't, what, I couldn't handle what that. If, what if this is... Uh, HR is man, mystery woman. Um, I think he said her name tonight. I he did. Okay, never mind then. Uh, yeah, so we will meet Tracy Brand in some episode, and uh, hopefully very soon. It, pro- it probably will be the next episode that comes down down the line. But um, well, another thing we quickly want to discuss, uh, Brittany, you were at Pelly Fest about two weeks ago, uh, and while it wasn't, you know you know, big, big, big news. So at least we got, we did get some new details on season four. So what did you, what did you hear from Andrew Crichton's pretty mouth? Yeah, we got the big announcement that next he's not going to be a a speedster villain uh, as the big bad, the overarching villain. And that did definitely got some applause from the audience. Um, So yeah, we finally get to see Barry face uh, someone slow next season. Does anyone have any, wishes or or in amy's case because she probably already knows who the big bad is for season four anyone who anyone has any wishes or or theories who that this could be who, who do you, who do you want this big bad to be for season four now that it's finally not a speedster for once because look i love this show but man this show has for three years in a row i think i'm drained on evil speedsters for like for a lifetime or two I was going to say, it's going to be interesting to see, because I feel like most of the struggle has always just been Barry being like, I'm not fast enough. Like, I'm interested to see another, like, another, fa- like, another facet of his, like, overarching struggle. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not, not smart, smart enough. enough. I'm not strong yeah. enough. I'm not, you know, willing to go there enough. You know, if there's a villain who's, you know, going to stop at nothing if Barry's, you know, I have, I have morals, you know, stuff like that. Just different things that they can explore. They're going to be, I think, a little bit more interesting than, like, being the fastest man alive. Laura, who do you want? I don't know. See, here's the thing is that I don't necessarily like the big bad trope. I like the idea of different people coming together to stop Barry. Like, you know, we're going to get into Abracadabra a little bit later. And I know that the rogues are so important to the Flash storyline, even in the Flash rebirth. You know, the weather wizard has come back and Captain Cold has come back. And, you know, Abracadabra is reintroduced and the Mirror Master's there. There's something about... 
you know, kind of like the Gotham City style where, like, Batman always has somebody to face, and they're all compelling, and they're all worth Batman's time. I kind of want to see that for Barry. And yeah, like, it's, I mean, it makes sense that they pair him up against a speedster because that's the type of villain that would be on par with his skills. But as we've seen with Vibe and Gypsy and Abracadabra, there's a lot more other things that can be creatively done that can outsmart Barry, like somebody who can open up portals and punch him into them or change time or, you know, throw playing cards like Abracadabra did. So I don't really want it to be one person. I want it to be a lot of different people. Amy, who do you want? Ooh, I like Lauren's idea. I like. I, I think um, Legends has done Legion of Doom really well this season. Once they kind Ooh, of yes. got onto it, so I could certainly. It could be Legion of Doom. I mean, we could see that we see we see a, a different version of Legion of Doom on Flash, but that's. I don't know if that's an overarching character. I also agree, Lauren. I, I think the idea of the big bad, the season baddie, is almost exhausting. If it's going to be someone like that, it needs to be as well played out, I think, as we got with Harrison Wells in season one, slash Eobard, or as successfully as Arrow did Slade. Those two villains, I think, I th- those define the best villains that I think we've seen in the DCTV universe, and we can argue about that on a different podcast if we want to, but that's, if they're going to do another big bad that's not a speedster, it needs to be someone like Slade who can challenge Barry on an emotional and mental level more than just a physical level. I I mean, I think I've been vocal about this for, for a while now, but I think it's it's time that we do the road. We almost introduced, I mean, no, not almost, we have all of them introduced now on television. I don't think there's, I don't think they miss any of them. Uh, so I think that that I think season four, or at least maybe at least the first time, because I like what what Once Upon a Time and what Shield does, which is like they split up their seasons with you know nine ten episodes of one arc, like Ghost Rider or LMD uh, or Fro- the Frozen arc or whatnot, and then the second half can be about something else. So that way, it doesn't feel like that we're like going through twenty three long hours of television, but instead it's like okay, we're getting ten episodes of like a mini season, and then we're getting thirteen episodes of another mini season and i think maybe one of those hats could be you know the rogues because we have such amazing actors playing these characters and i think that it's you know i've, I've been saying this on twitter like every time he shows up but there's just something really right about uh, when, when miller is back on the flash uh, i know lorna we had like <laughs> we i don't know if we geeked out more over dm or over on the podcast about captain cole being back uh, and um was it the speed force episode he was back for recently no, it was... Oh, yeah, it was the Speed Force episode. The last episode that I was on, I think we covered the spoiler section, maybe. But yeah, it was It was just incredible to see him back. And I don't know what Legends is going to do with their last two episodes. But, you know, as much as I love Heatwave on Legends, I would love to see Captain Cold go back to Flash and maybe resurrect an old rogues group or something to fight Barry in Season 4. Well, yeah, because he did actually, in Season 1, he did break out a bunch of rogues and they owe him a favor so you know maybe he's like you know i'm gonna cash in on this and take over central city or whatnot that was a horrible impression of captain gold but you you get my drift so i i think the rogues for at least like eight or nine episodes and then maybe the second half can be well well maybe the villain that we got reintroduced in this week's episode so um 
But, um, but also, but before we go on, Brittany wrote actually a really good article at, on Screen Rant uh, this week about 15 possible non-speedster villains that we could see. So I would recommend you guys to check it out because it's a pretty good list. Uh, so, but, uh, but let's get to this week's episode of The Flash, episode 18 of season three called, appropriately, Abracadabra. So uh, we met our villain, Abracadabra, pretty much like from the first scene. And he had some some good uh, tricks up his sleeve, pun intended. Um, what did we think overall of just him as a villain for this episode? Uh, Amy, what do you think of Abracadabra? I liked that he was... I thought he was intriguing. I enjoyed the emotional complexity that came with him. The idea that he was playing them the entire time as far as I know the secret. He has the trump card, pun intended. You know, we're talking about cards. That he says... I, I have what you want. How far are you willing to go for that? And we've always talked about Barry, especially this season, the last couple of episodes, kind of trying to decide how far am I willing to go for Iris? Am I willing to kill for Iris? He's, it, it's, it's interesting that he was willing to give Abracadabra over to Gypsy knowing that he would be executed, that it wasn't just him going into prison, that he was going to get killed for his crimes. So that was an interesting choice I thought Barry made, and we can just talk about that a little bit more if you guys are interested later. But as a, as a villain, I thought Abracadabra is very intriguing. I thought I liked his powers. Uh, was he my favorite villain? No, but he was more memorable, I think, than a lot of the other villains we've had this season. So I certainly enjoyed watching what he brought, and I liked that he was, you know, from the future, his motivation, I got to get back to the future, was a little convoluted for me because apparently he can earth jump, but not future jump. That was a little bit in off for me. But other than that, I, I thoroughly enjoyed his character. What about you, Lauren? I really enjoyed him. I've actually been looking forward to seeing the, um, the actor, and I hope I pronounce his last name correctly. I think it's David Dast Dast Mal Dast Malchin. Hopefully that's correct. Um, he was on Gotham this season. He's currently the big bad of MacGyver. He is a character actor. He was in The Dark Knight Rises. He was in Ant Man. You know, he shows up in a lot of different properties. I think he's in the Belko Experiment, James Gunn's new movie. So it was really cool to see like a movie star, like a movie supporting character, like supporting actor, show up on The Flash. And you know, hopefully that's a trend. I mean, I know that I always bring things back to Star Trek, but one of the reasons that Star Trek: The Next Generation was so great is that everybody wanted to be on the show and that was one of the first times that like movie actors wanted to like step down into the tv world and i like i hope we see more of that on the flash i think you know kevin smith directing different episodes of dc tv is really um is really aiding to that because he and david are friends and so i'm sure he probably said something like hey david you know this abracadabra character is going to be on the show soon you'd be really great for it you should read for it so i thought he was great like amy said i think he was fantastically memorable and you know i talked about this in my recap tonight like you know we haven't had a villain of the week on the flash in a while and sometimes that formula works and sometimes it doesn't sometimes it's just a metahuman who's mad about something and like the motivation isn't really clear but like abracadabra was not just a villain of the week he was from the 64th century and he was an inventor and you know he's his body is comprised of nanotechnology and you know i don't know how close like his role tonight fit into his comic book persona but i thought he was fantastic and i like when 
DC TV shows edge more into sci-fi, which, you know, comic books are grounded in sci-fi anyway, but like, I don't know, tonight felt more like a science fiction episode where, you know, like there was all these different earths and dimensions and powers at play. And, you know, I thought he was really clever the way that, um, like Brittany, I know you, I know you were tweeting about this, like the way he threw all those cards into the air and like, that was his way, oh, like so his cool. way to get away. Like, when you have a villain like that, it's not just, oh, let me punch you really hard or, you know, or like Gerd or like, let me just, you know, pick you up in the air. But it was like, I'm going to turn the bullets in your gun into water and I'm going to do something creative. So I liked him and I really hope we see him again. Yeah, I was going to say that too. Like that was my favorite part of his character, like the little tricks that he, like he was a trickster. Like that's the kind of actor, like the, the turning the gun into a, a squirt gun basically and using basically, you know, deception kind of in a way to to hide and to escape quickly quickly and to kind of trick the team and i do like when they have a character they have to like outthink against instead of you know like you just said like punch their way through a race you know somehow what do you think andy oh i was all about this dude i been looking forward to abercraft for a while i i mean although i the way i always hope to see him come on to the show was actually him being the big bad for a future season because I kind of like the idea of you know how would a speedster do deal with magic, but this way also worked because and, and like Amy said he was really memorable because one of the things I don't like with the show something is how they deal with um, the monster of the week and there's been a lot of DC characters brought in that they make into just one offs like I mean heck they used one of Bart Allen's personal villains and made kind of I mean they kind of flopped with him so so i love the fact that abigail felt like a force to be reckoned with uh, this actor he oh he's still so deliciously evil and uh, I, I mean he was on gotham this season and boy he was he was great um if you guys thought fish mooney you know pulling her eye out with a spoon was crazy wait till you see what this guy did on uh one mr jerome valeska so oh, it, good. hmm I said no. I'm good. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. It's it's totally fine. It will make you question why this show is at 8 p.m. on a on a broadcast television network instead of cable because boy, does that show get dark. But uh, no, but I I loved Abracadabra. I loved that. Uh, also, I, I loved this design that it was even though it was very casual, you know, a casual outfit that he was going with. It kind of felt like a costume. So, because that's the thing. Have you noticed a lot of these villains? They don't really get to have costumes like instead of putting mirror master and um, classic orange suit he got a gangsta business suit or whatever what whatever he was uh, he was wearing so i like i love the fact that he had something that kind of like yeah this worked as you know any normal wear uh, but also he kind of feels like a costume so i am um, I, I was you know gonna respond to amy's question because he she was in if i heard you correctly you were wondering how he got like how he can like jump between dimensions but not go back to the future. I mean, maybe he got stranded here. Like maybe he got maybe like here where he got strapped stranded here and he had to like the only way to be able to get home it was you know finding different pieces of technology f to build this time machine. Which, by the way, is it should I should we be alarmed by the fact that somewhere inside that wormhole there's just a flying uncontrollable time machine <laughs> i'm like you know yeah it's gonna appear in the 64th century and people are gonna be like what the heck yeah i, and I think it sounds like an opportunity what I, I don't know i just like the idea of a time ship floating around that someone could totally just 
use. Like, building a timeship is really hard, and if he had to go through all of that trouble to steal the core to the timeship, I feel like that could be something... That is literally the best thing to land in your front yard. Like, someone in, in a different century, maybe it malfunctions and it lands somewhere else. That's that's fun. That'd be interesting to see a character show up years... or you know, episodes from now, and they're like, oh yeah, I got here because of this timeship I found floating around. Yeah, because I just can feel feeling like, you know, that is not a plot hole they can just leave just leave like that because I mean I feel that there should be like something bad should happen because it got stuck there. I mean who knows? Maybe Sarah will pick it up and be like, you know, oh guys, we should probably like park this somewhere. It should probably not be floating around. Um well I don't know. Can the speed force like time wormholes actually connect with the what is it called? The green one on Legends, Amy. Like I keep I keep forgetting the name. Does it have a name? The green time sphere that they go through when they time travel. Uh, I do not know. Time aperture. We'll we'll call it that. What she said. Maybe you know it will somehow land in there, and maybe I don't know. Maybe the legends could do something for. For season three, but uh, no, but I overall I really enjoyed Abracadabra, and I, I I don't think this was the last. I mean, even though they say, oh yeah, he's gonna go head off to his execution now, I'm like, well, we remember what happened last time. Gypsy was supposedly just going back to Earth 19 being fine. Oh, she got captured by Krillagrod, so who knows? Maybe something goes wrong during the way, and she's like, ah, oh, damn it, he got away, and we will see him again because this was just too good of an introduction to not use for other episodes or seasons so i i hope i think we're gonna see him again but maybe further down down the line but yeah but he was he was fun i i really enjoyed him but did you get to see what you felt about him yeah i mean i said a little bit before i'm i was kind of sad that he seemed to be like gone so quickly i was like oh i like him i want more so i'm i'm hoping that we get to see this is not the last we see of him so i really did enjoy this character and and I hope there's a lot more to come of it. Um, I was a little, I don't know, disappointed it was the right thing, but I was hoping he'd be more, more enticing to Barry. I feel like he, I mean, he teased him obviously a lot um, about, you know, the future and about knowing Iris's fate. And I really was hoping he'd make some kind of bargain or do, you know, take it an extra step further. He was kind of dangling the carrot, but he didn't like poke him with a stick. You know, he was just like, I have this piece of information, like you want it? Like, you, like that commercial guy with the, dollar like he just didn't go all the way and i really would have liked to see you know a little bit barry push a little bit further and joe push a little bit further because honestly i don't know why i didn't think of that like that joe would be the one pushed the farthest and then happened you know and i was like oh man like why didn't i think of that why didn't i think of that joe would be the one to kind of you know be the, the one to face down uh abracadabra and really you know want to know the truth so i thought that was a really cool cool thing they did well we were talking about gypsy so gypsy was not Agreeing a lot with the Team Flash this week, and um, she definitely there. There was not the right vibe there. I am, um, <laughs> I'm bad. I'm so bad. But uh, yeah, they there there was some conflicts over this because she wanted to, you know, she didn't really want to wait for him just because he had the info on Sabotage. She wanted to capture this man because she because he, who's killed a lot of people, killed her partner who. I don't think we got a name, but let's assume there was someone, and she felt very strongly about his partner, so she wanted to avenge him. But but, but this caused some disturbance between Cisco and her. So um, so Amy, what did you think of Gypsy's? 
I mean, she she kind of she was problematic. She kind of played a problematic part in how this whole Abigail thing was dealt with. So, what did you think of her participation this week? I think that she certain certainly added a level of intensity to it and added increased the stakes without her ultimatum. I think that it would have been a very flat episode. They needed that. They needed an an anti-hero in addition to their villain. Otherwise, I wouldn't have bought why it was so crucial for him. What what there wouldn't have been that need that Abracadabra had to get Barry to set him free. So plot-wise, I absolutely get why they put that in there. I didn't really have a problem with her and Cisco. I think I almost had I don't know. I've 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 I didn't have a huge problem with the way that things went down, largely because I think that Cisco was generally pretty respectful of the way that she brought things up. He didn't understand it at first, but once he understood what was going on with her, he didn't push her. And we see that a lot sometimes. I think that we get uh, get a lot of, oh, well, that's in the past let's make things work now with a lot of other characters, even with other characters on the flash. But the fact that Cisco was like, you know what? I get it. I get where you're coming from and was willing to step back and not push her as, as a viewer and as a girl was certainly very encouraging to watch. The thing that frustrated me is that this is one of the smartest collaborations of minds of metahumans and genius cops and brilliant scientists and multiverse hopping uh, superheroes, and they couldn't figure out a way to trick Abracadabra. Why didn't they pull the wool over his eyes? It seems so feasible to me. Like there's 50 different scenarios in which they could have set him free, quote unquote, got the news that they needed from him and then recaptured him right away. Like, they could absolutely have played up, like, they could, there could have been some big, huge battle where Joe or someone totally fake knocks out Gypsy and Abracadabra buys that they're setting him free and that they, they're they not letting Gypsy take him and they're going to lock her up instead and, you know, not letting her know or letting her know. Maybe she's done on it, maybe she's not. It just seems like this is one of the smartest teams in the DC TV universe, and I was kind of surprised that they couldn't find a way for them both to be satisfied. Does that make sense? That was the only thing that frustrated me is that in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm not even a superhero (laughs) or a a mega scientist or anything, but I can see like three different ways that you could totally trick Abracadabra into giving you the information and still giving him to Gypsy at the end of the day. I think the the problem, I mean, I see what you're saying, but the thing is, if this guy was a mass murderer that, that, that had been gone, that had been on the run for almost three years, did they want to take that risk of seeing more people die just because they wanted to try and trick him? Because I mean, also remember, he's from the 64th century. We I mean, we don't know what kind of what, what kind of background he has. Maybe he has, you know, maybe he's really good at strategy. So maybe they, you know, they, they were playing with someone. <laughs> that sounds silly. They were dealing with someone that was maybe, you know, because this whole season has been about baddies who are always a few steps ahead of our heroes. So, and also the fact that. Do they want to risk, you know, people being killed just because they want to try and trick him uh, and still get but, the answer? But Barry was willing to consider letting him go completely. It just kind of surprised me that there wasn't the idea of him. Well, 
I want to let him go so I can get the answer, but what if we cover our bases? Because what you're suggesting is the way that he was thinking of going. It seems to me that there could have been a step beyond that where he would say, you know what, why don't we have our fallback plan? So when he does go off the rails, or if he does go off the rails, or if he gives us a false name, then we've got Gypsy as a backup plan. So that was the that was the that was the qualm that I have is I um I get why they did that because it would have been then if they had actually found out Savitar's name or whatever it would have been a moot point and they're not ready to tell us that information yet but that was something where I was like I don't really know if I if I liked the way that they went with that because it almost seemed too cut and dry and black and white and Flash has never been black and white the the joy of Flash comes when they right in shades of gray all right fair enough um lauren what did you uh, what did you think yeah i really like gypsy's inclusion and just you know listening to the points that you guys are all making i think what sets this episode apart in terms of being a villain of the week was actually the inclusion of gypsy because otherwise it just would have been like amy like what you're saying you know they would have tried to set traps for abracadabra and you know the truth is he was never going to tell them who savitar was i mean that it just wasn't going to happen so I think that, you know, we could have seen all of that play out if Gypsy wasn't here. But, like, you know, the way that this episode was written, because they included Gypsy, that 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 gave Barry the opportunity to make that choice of doing the just and right thing. Which, to me, played into all of the best scenes between Barry and Iris this week. And I know we'll get into that later. But just her whole point about, you know, you cannot subvert the justice system just to save my life, you know, and previously Barry had thought about killing Savitar and now he's, you know, thinking about letting a criminal go. It's like, you know, every week Barry's being tested on the levels of his integrity of, you know, to what lengths will he go? And I think if this was Arrow, the test would have been, are you going to torture the information out of Abracadabra? You know, Barry is obviously not that person. So his was like a very, you know, nonviolent solution was just to let him go but, uh, you know, Andy, as you're saying, that he's a really dangerous person. So, like, I really enjoyed the layers and, like, just the, the way that, like, Gypsy's, just her presence in the episode was a constant challenge to Barry. Because now that he lives in the multiverse, he actually has to follow the justice system of all the other Earths. And, like, you know, Barry is kind of like our, you know, like, white bread kind of, um, you know, Boy Scout hero in the DC TV verse. And he can't. He can't let that guard down for one second just for Iris, even though he wants to. And I just loved how Iris was like, no, you you know, you can't do that for me. But then later Joe kind of does and he kind of has his reason for that. So I think because Gypsy was included in this episode, it gave us all of those colors and dynamics and challenges. And I don't think they would have been there or have would have been as interesting if Gypsy wasn't on this week. Brittany, what do you think? Yeah, I don't I don't have anything other other to really add to that. I mean I personally didn't, like, I, you guys are making good points, because when I was watching, I was kind of like, oh, just, like, obviously there's something tragic in your past, that's the reason that you're being so obstinate about this issue, but I think you guys are making good points that I didn't really think about when I was watching, because I was, you know, I knew there was some, you know, reason why she was acting the way she was, and eventually they didn't, you know, luckily they didn't drag it out for too long, she did come out and say, you know, this is what happened, you know, I had a partner, um, 
but uh, yeah, I do agree that she did add an extra layer to this, even though at first I was kind of, you know, unsure of how, about how I felt about her presence because I was kind of just like, oh, uh, I just like, because I think personally, I just wanted them to tease a little bit more. I wanted something. I just wanted like some kind of riddle like that. I think that would have made me like really excited, even though I'm terrible at riddles, like just like some kind of little trickster, like Loki type thing that, that Abracadabra could do and be like, oh, I'm going to, you know, since you let me out, I'm going to give you a riddle. I'm not going to tell you straight out, you know, who who Savitar is, or do, I just, I really personally, since I'm, like, one of the people who has zero clues about who Savitar is, I wanted, like, some kind of clue to keep me going, to keep me guessing, because I'm just still, I don't know, I'm not who it could be. I think on a personal level, I was just being greedy and, like, wanting Barry or Joe just to, like, get the information out of, out of, um, <laughs> Abra somehow, but you guys are making better points than my brain did. I think it's good that she was there to, like, ground everybody and, you know, make them make the right decisions. So that's probably better that she was there and not that they let her go just for my own selfish purposes of knowing who, who Savitar is. I just really want to know. I need to know. I do kind of like your idea of the riddles, though. That would have been very interesting. Because I just hyped, I feel like they, maybe it was just me just, re, you know, being part of the podcast and reading so much and doing that article, but I feel like they hyped up Abra's appearance so much that I was like, oh, we're going to get something, we're going to get some little piece of information, and then when there was nothing, I was kind of a little bit let down, even though I really enjoyed his appearance on the episode, I was kind of like, oh, nothing? Not even a, a, a message in a bottle or some kind of hint, like, <laughs> like he, he could have put, he could have put out like a calling, Let's like call a, a, a card by something yeah. that would lead them to who Savitar was. Like maybe he finds Abracadabra's card in, I don't know, his house or if it's him or, or like in- we, or like we, the audience see Abra, like leaving a clue or doing something that the rest of the t- team flashes and see. And we're like, oh. yeah, what does that mean for later? Like, you know, he, he drops something and then we only see him drop that certain thing. Just, you know, a little something like something, something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was, I, I mean, when it comes to Gypsy, I was, I mean, I, she did annoy me a lot because I kind of felt like, I mean, her me- her reasons made sense. I just wish they had maybe been executed a little bit differently because I think it drove me crazy the second time when she intervened, like, as Joe was about to find out. She shows up a second time and interrupts, and I'm like, girl, can, can't you just be a little bit slower? But uh, It I, was so <laughs> convenient every single time, exactly at the right moment, of course. Oh, insert gif of Cisco screaming, timing. Um, but, um, yeah, no, it, it drove me crazy. But um, And when she was, like, confronting wow, that scene between her and Joe, I, I still don't know what to think of that. I don't know who who was right and who was wrong because, although when Joe said, you know, look, you're on my earth, and I'm like, yes, damn straight, damn straight you are. Uh, like I would not argue with Joe West if he tells me you're on my earth and you you will do whatever the, the hell I want you to do. So, um, but yeah, I I mean I still love Gypsy. I you know I'm still shipping Gypsy and Wide forever. I am. Um, I just hope we. I mean, I I kind of just want to know at this point like if we're gonna see her more next season or I don't know. Maybe she could join some, I don't know, some time, you know, time traveling ship somewhere, you know, sparring with Sarah. Oh, Sarah would, Sarah would love Gypsy, I think. I'm just saying, hey, Mark Guggenheim, if you're listening, <laughs> I'm giving you my ideas for free. Um, but yeah, I hope, I mean, did, did I feel like the last scene between her and um, Vibe, uh, I mean, Cisco, did I kind of feel like them giving up on their romance or they kind of just like, eh, we'll talk next week or something. 
I thought it was really honest. I thought that, you know, just because, you know, you kiss a girl from another earth, you know, doesn't mean you can call her the next day. Like, I think yeah, there was... Yeah, um, Jesse, quick. Doesn't mean you have to move earth and leave your dad. <laughs> just kidding. Love, love you, Jesse. Come back soon. I, I know. I thought, like, that was really honest. Like, Gypsy's obviously interested in Cisco and vice versa, but, you know, if Gypsy was in love with her partner, whom she lost, that kind of echoes, you know, like, Dinah Drake's story on Arrow, you know, her partner was killed so like she might be interested in cisco but her heart might not be ready to commit to you know interdimensional you know romance i think if they i think they de- they dealt with it in a really honest way which i appreciated which if i'm gonna be really judgmental for just a moment they did really good with her in ways that i feel like sometimes we don't get with caitlin you know, we keep we've talked about this before where Caitlin, it feels like every season there's a new love interest for her. But Gypsy kind of was the character that sat down and said, you know, it's okay if you are not ready to move on. You have a right to say, I'm not ready to move on. Um, so I I, I I liked the opposite reaction with her than what I feel like sometimes we get on a lot of with with some of the characters of the flash, including Caitlin. So we got, a, so I was a little upset, you know, we didn't get any clues about Savitar, but we might have gotten clues about something else because Abra is listing off, you know, Barry's greatest villains. And obviously we know a few of them. He mentions Reverse Flash and he mentions Zoom and then he dro- drops this name, DeVoe. And I'm going to keep plugging my article shamelessly. I only knew of this name because I wrote an article about non-speedster villains in The Flash and DeVoe is one of them. He's actually, uh, his villain name is The Thinker. So do we think that... Uh, thinker, do we oh think my this god, is foreshadowing. <laughs> it I, I didn't, I Here we go. It begins. We can do we never think he's foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is, is the flash foreshadowing, you know, next season? Is it foreshadowing the, the, the near future? What do we think? <laughs> oh my god, I can't keep saying this word. What do we think it means? Uh, Andy, what do you think it means? Oh boy, I am. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's a flash villain, they could use him. I am. Um, it's not like the it's not common for Flash to kind of hint who the next villain for the next season is going to be. So them saying that you know he exists. Okay, I got okay. I have a weird time to question. How does he and Barry still fight if he's from the sixty fourth century? Isn't that like time? Does a very not good matter question. with Barry. Sorry, is that me? Time doesn't know. matter with Barry. He could be oh, time hopping. Time hop. <laughs> okay, so he so what he's like. 200 years old in the future then anyway these rules doesn't make sense anyway so i i mean i think he might be a villain we will see next season um but i i don't for some reason when they said when they said when i looked up this character i'm like isn't this a character supposed to be in spider-man homecoming this summer like i feel like we've heard thinker that's the tinker tink oh yes (laughs) Damn it, Why did why like who came up with these? Damn it, DC. Uh, anyway, Bernie, who's the thinker? Like when you were putting your article together, what did you discover about him? Um, I, let me. I think he was the one who I want to make sure because I've written I wrote about all of them and I want to make sure he's the right person that I was thinking about. Did you guys know that Brittany wrote an article oh, yeah. this week about non-speech? <laughs> I'm, I'm even bringing <laughs> you brought it up the first time. You're becoming like he, you're becoming like Cheryl. Like you know, did you know that Jason is dead? Did you know that he used to like this? 
<laughs> Jason Jason used to like the Flash. So so Clifford DeVoe was actually a lawyer, and then he realized he was like smarter than all the criminals that he was either going up against or supporting. And he was like, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm just gonna be a freelance like villain helper. So basically, he like rented out his brain to like gangsters and was like, hey, I'm really smart. Like, let me help you not go to prison. And then eventually, he like rose up the ranks and became like the big evil villain bad in like one version of the comics obviously there's probably more versions and then he invented he's also like super smart and like an inventor and a genius um and he invented the thing called the thinking cap does anyone add anything to the possible foreshadowing i thought it was interesting that he mentioned um reverse flash and zoom again i wonder if i mean i could this be a result of um the spirit of destiny thing because you know maybe megabart is now back in the timeline as Normal and so on. I like that he he dropped a hint and he dropped a name because I remember in the Flash pilot we did see the name Grodd written on the what was it um, the cell at Star Labs and like I like when they hint towards future things. So whether he's just a one season you know one episode villain or a season villain, I think that would be cool. And like the way that Brittany described him, he sounds a lot like Moriarty from Sherlock in the way that he like helps people commit crimes. And I would love to see Barry Allen go against someone who doesn't have superpowers but has like a super yes. brain. Someone like Moriarty. Oh my gosh. Let's yeah. cast Andrew Scott right now. Huh. Yes. Or Benedict Cumberbatch. That'd be kind of fun. Oh, yeah. That'd be very meta, all things considered. <laughs> that would be and then and then in season four i will get a message from lauren every week like, can i come on talk about benedict this week and, I come about- <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like yeah, yeah sure it's um exactly. oh my god put benedict and Wentworth miller in a room together and we will have movie magic <laughs> oh, um, their their voices alone would just be amazing speaking of by the way model actors um grant gustin got cast in a new film today with sebastian stan and samuel jackson that's gonna be cool. so exciting and the premise sounds that. really cool all right, let's move on to everything that happened with Caitlin. So first off, Caitlin uh, is caught in the crossfire and has to go to surgery. So let's, she basically talks herself through surgery. Um, I can certainly bring up some quicks from quips from a medical standpoint, but generally speaking, it's pretty badass that she managed to talk julian into doing surgery on her so Brittany, what did you think about uh the surgery that they did and then we will we'll talk about the post-credit scene in a schmidge i think it was yeah it was really cool i love when caitlin gets you know use her doctor skills and i really like that i mean i guess it was cool that julian was a medical doctor i don't know if we knew that or an army doctor i don't know if we necessarily knew that before but i always like you know getting she's like oh you're you were a doctor in the army you can do this like sure and then i was kind of helping out which was kind of cool um yeah it was really nice to see her have like this badass science lady moment where she's like i just operate on me i'm fine like i'll just hold hold it on down here um i guess i'm always just so it's just her like i'd rather die than become than become killer frost i mean i understand it i just feel like sometimes it's kind, it comes across as like kind of dramatic like i i know that I've, we've had some problems with like how they portrayed killer frost and like why it's taking over her and all that kind of stuff but i feel like sometimes like that whole thing where she was just like no like like you know like almost like a dnr like don't resuscitate me like i'd rather die like don't then take my necklace off kind of thing i was like i don't know like can't you just like take it off real quick heal yourself and like put it back on i mean obviously we saw that's not the case but i was i don't know i was 
you're you're gonna die really like you're just gonna let yourself just bleed out there and like let your friends just like not save you i mean they did save her in the in the first attempt you know julian was lucky enough to get the shrapnel out but i don't know i was kind of i didn't know how i felt about about her about that big statement from her you know i wonder if it was more than just she doesn't want to become killer frost um remember on the whiteboard one of the things that leads to iris's death is that she at some point becomes killer frost so as long as she doesn't become killer frost theoretically killer frost never is still on the loose so i wonder if it was more than just that she was also being like if i knowing that if she turns into killer frost it may mean iris's doom which brings a whole new level of intensity to the decisions she makes and then the decision that julian makes at the end of the episode um which i guess we can yeah that's interesting let's let's just skip to everything that happened in the end of the episode lauren you uh (laughs) love caitlin what were oh, your yeah. thoughts on, oh my God. on what happened at the end, Cisco's decision, Julian's decision, and where we go from here? Yeah, so, okay, I was living and dying for this episode tonight. I mean, you know, if anybody heard me on two weeks ago, you know, I was a little hard on the show as, as a whole because, you know, it's just, it's hard to watch characters who are being so challenged by someone like Savitar and they're kind of doing things out of character. And I felt like tonight, like, everyone was super in character and making decisions that made sense to me. And then the writing, I mean, Andrew Kreisberg was back for this episode and I love everything that he does. And I felt like, like this whole arc with Caitlin was incredible. Was the medical stuff believable? Not necessarily, you know, you can't really be awake during surgery, but you know, putting, you know, suspending disbelief for a moment here. Like I cried so much during this episode because I didn't realize how much Caitlin meant to me because, you know, like, I don't know how to describe her. Like she's in every episode and she's important, but she hasn't necessarily had like a lot of emotional. I don't know. Like she has emotional gravity because she's been dealing with the killer frost stuff, but sometimes she's just kind of in the background. Like she's not always the main focus of the show, which is fine. Cause you know, it's Barry's show. And so for her to be kind of put front and center tonight and for her to be injured kind of the way that Iris was a few weeks ago. And I love that Iris, you know, put on the smock and, you know, got to like help Julian and his medical stuff. Like, you know, we all like it when Iris actually gets to do stuff. Um, you know, but I love the fact that, like, Julian was kind of hesitant to, you know, kind of reapproach Caitlin. And she was like, look, I know that, you know, you're mad at me, but, you know, I'd love it if you could forgive me. And, you know, I don't like it when Caitlin is the love interest all the time. And I hated the fact that they paired her with Zoom. But I am living for Caitlin and Julian's relationship. I think it's pure. I think it's really tender. I think it's really sweet. I don't feel like it's contrived or weird or anything like that. I love the fact that like he was a baddie and then he was like reformed as opposed to what happened with zoom. He like seemed like a nice guy, but he was like really the worst. Like, I don't know. There's something so honest about their relationship. And I think that um, Tom Felton and Danielle Pennemaker have this like really, really like pure, almost like Jane Austen kind of chemistry. And so to see Caitlin in peril tonight and like to see Julian upset that Caitlin was in peril and then to watch Caitlin die on the table is probably one of the worst things I've ever seen on the flash in terms of like, like how much it hurt to watch her die. And like Cisco is what really sealed that for me. Like Carlos Valdez was crying like literal tears to watch like, Danielle to watch Caitlin in that much pain and then to watch her flatline I was like you've got to be kidding me like we all knew the necklace is coming off but it, it still didn't take the fact away like for me that she died like I don't think we've ever seen anybody flatline on this show before I could be wrong 
but I don't think we've seen anybody flatline. And I was like, oh my God, it's like South Park moment. Like, oh my God, they killed Caitlin. So it was, it was, it was painful. It was riveting. It was a really bold move. And now obviously we know, you know, there's some, there's a, a killer frost arc for her on the horizon, but I was, I was living for those scenes tonight. I, th- I just want to say something quick. I think for me, it's like, I want to call it like Marvel syndrome. Like I don't, think anyone's ever in danger on these shows like i never for one minute mm-hmm. believed caitlin was gonna die i do not believe iris is going to die i don't believe you know and now that we know people's contracts are up in infinity war that's like okay we know someone maybe might die but like overall like going into these movies and going into this tv show i'm never afraid that like they're going to kill off a main character i mean and if they did i'd be like whoa they went there but i still feel like network you know regular cable shows are still just afraid to kill off like main major characters and so it's not like it's like oh it's game of thrones or oh it's you know a show that would go there i think if they did happen i mean i'm not wishing anyone to die on the show especially not caitlin or iris but like if they did kill off one of those two characters i think i would be legitimately shocked if that happened like actually like you know agents of shield reveal type shocked i think yeah that was the kind of that was the thing with me it's the it's the lazarus pit effect the Sarah Lance effect, if you will. <laughs> like, you, you can never really consider anyone dead. So I was watching that, and I had a really hard time kind of absorbing myself in the moment. So, Lauren, you're lucky that you were able to do that, because I'm sure that if I was in the, if I had a different state of mind, I would have enjoyed it more. But that kind of, the post credit scene, there, there, there was a point where, like, we're about to you know, post credit scene starts, and I look at my phone, I'm going, I still got five, there's still five minutes left in the episode. I'm like, Mm-hmm. Something's gonna happen, and then when she started seizing, I'm like, she's gonna die. They're gonna pull off the necklace. They're gonna pull off the necklace, and I literally watched that three minutes of them trying to save her, just going, sitting there, just got, thinking to myself, pull off the necklace already. Come on, you're gonna pull off the necklace. I know but you like, guys are gonna pull off the that's necklace. That's the whole point of suspending disbelief on these shows. Like, you know, they're gonna be okay, but if you don't let yourself go there, then what's the point of even watching? You know what I mean? And like yeah. for me, I was like, you know what? This is emotional. I'm just gonna ride this wave because like this is intense, and I don't think we've ever seen that level of acting out of Carlos ever. That I'll agree with. Like he he. He definitely sold it. And in the moment where he's like, no, 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 this isn't what Caitlin wanted. And Julian says, I don't care. And Cisco is willing to go with it. Because that, you know, there's there's a difference between, wait, that's not what she wanted. And then stopping someone. So the fact that he didn't stop Julian was was very powerful. So I agree with that. It was just one of those things where, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I wasn't emotionally invested enough in that moment. I don't know if there's anything they could have done to change that. Maybe it was just the the hamburger I was eating or whatever, you know, I, maybe I just wasn't as, as involved with it as I, as I could have been, but I didn't feel as intensely emotional about it as, as you did, Lauren. Andy, what did you do? Or what, 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 what happened with you in that post-credit scene? First of all, I kept thinking, wow, this is really long a post-credit scene. I mean, there's supposed to be like 20, 30 seconds, but I'm like, no, it's fine. I'm like, it's eight fifty six. There's no way this is a post credit scene. Like, why are they? It was too. It was too long. It, it, I, I that's. I had a major nitpick for that. Um, I didn't understand what it was that made her get a seizure because I was like, but I thought she was fine. They got everything out of. They got all the shrapnels out of her kidneys. So, what's killing her? I I hate when it's like. People are gonna hate me for bringing up this example once again, but it's kind of like what happened with Laurel last season. You know, the doctor said that she's gonna be fine, and then she started seizing, and we don't know what happens. Here, here too, I'm like, well, what's killing her? Can well, someone? Well, they, they did say, say a blood clot. 
because oh, any okay. type there's surgery, there could be complications. You just never know. You just okay. I didn't hear because I. I mean, there was so much commotion that people. Were, I I didn't hear him say. But okay, if he said that, okay, then I, I tr- I take your word for it. But um. Yeah, I mean, I kind of said they're thinking. You know, there's no way. I mean, if this is only episode eighteen, there. You know, we know Daniel has been in been in Vancouver. There's no way that Kaylin is getting killed off. But as I see, Julian, he just keeps looking at the necklace. I'm like, oh, here we go, and. The moment we start hearing the heartbeat, I, I was like, you know, boy, it's going to get cold in here. And it did. So, for some reason, this is going to sound weird. Maybe a little bit mean also, but I had this big sigh of relief. I'm like, finally, she's Killer Frost. Because if you know this whole season, one, we still have a really good explanation to what it is that is causing her you know this preserve to come out i i mean i still, i mean maybe you guys have but i have it i don't feel i have an answer to how this mysterious persona in, in exists inside of her and threatens to take over her when she uses her powers um i kind of feel they haven't been sure whether or not they want to turn into killer frost but i feel like this episode like i mean look if they want to try and get her you know bring the good caitlin back somehow sure go ahead and try but this one, I kind of just want to see her like for the full way. I want to see her as Killer Frost, like no, no, no go backs. And the thing that I also really liked is that if she's not turning evil, it's not because some man broke her heart. It's not because of some dude. It's because you know it was, it was a tragic accident. The, it, a man was trying to save her, but he, you know, he lifted her biggest curse to surface. So, like. I don't know, did you guys think about that? It's kind of, you know, it, it, I don't know if you guys were thinking that far ahead, but, like, if this is the beginning of Killer Frost, at least she's not been turned into a villain like some other female villains on these shows have been, have, have gone. Or was I the only one who was thinking that? I don't think I necessarily thought about it, like, how... I mean, like, I also kind of want to see her as Killer Frost. I think she could be a really cool adversary. I love, I'm not, I don't know, I love when it's like, you know, we know her, and Caitlyn's under there, deep down, we have to, you know, fight the bad guy, but also save the Caitlyn, you know, I'm I'm all for that, and I think it'd be a really powerful, like, redemption slash story for Caitlyn if she was able to, you know, save herself, kind of. If she did become this villain, and it was because, you know, they wanted to save her life, their intentions were pure, but, you know, the power took over, and if somehow, you know, Caitlyn, you know, maybe for an episode or two, she's a villain, and then eventually, somehow, some way, you know, what if it's, like, just for her love for Team Flash, or just because of the power within herself, be overcomes that, I think that could make her an even stronger character. And if she's able to, you know, push the darkness down and kind of as like use it as, like, a big metaphor, like, there's darkness in all of us, but I can overcome it kind of thing. I don't know, something. I think that'd be an interesting an interesting story. And, I don't know, I, I, I too, I'm kind of excited to see, to see Killer Frost. Because I think it is just such an interesting, an interesting character, an interesting, you know, way that her powers take over and you know we've had so many questions and i want to kind of you know see it like let's just like let it happen see what happens and you know figure it out from there kind of thing you know Brittany, when you're saying that that sounds a lot like and i'm going to actually jump ahead to a fan comment that we we had it kind of sounds like gene gray and the phoenix yeah and the idea that the power itself is what causes the evilness and it manifests as this killer frost so there was a, a, a Facebook message we got from uh, Mr. Okabe, 
And he says that I think Killer Frost, Caitlin Snow, is like Jean Grey the Phoenix, especially with Caitlin nearly dying. She may also have been through something with almost dying that weakened Caitlin to the point of ceding to the power of Killer Frost. So what he's suggesting that, like, the power literally gave her the option and said, you can live, but I'm going to take over, or you can die. And I wonder if she... Like, or, or, or Caitlin didn't even have an option. The power just literally took over and the power itself didn't want to die. So it took over her body. Like the idea that this is the the killer frost ability, quote unquote, is some sort of mystical sentient thing that kind of takes over and it's less that it's her turning evil and it's more of something evil that's corrupted her. So I like what you're thinking with that, Brittany, because that that would be a good story and that would be very powerful to watch and it would add layers to her character. I mean, I have nothing else to say on on this unless hey, Lauren, do you have anything? Um, I want her to be Killer Frost for a very short amount of time. I mean, I don't really want one of my favorite characters to become a villain, but I would be okay with like a temporary arc for her. Like, I wouldn't want her to be Killer Frost in season four. You know, to me, she's a very important part of, like, the in-lab Team Flash team. And Brene, I liked what you had to say that, like, she has to find a way to beat this within herself. Because if she just found a cure or she tried to reverse her genetics, that's not really dealing with the problem. And if her metahuman powers are magnifying something that is inside of her, like, she kind of has to deal with that. I mean, we've seen people deal with that differently in other shows like once upon a time you know if anyone's caught up on this on the show like regina like split herself in half so like her evil half is like a different person and like her good half is this other person but then she just realized like in the most recent episode that that's no way to live like you need kind of light and shadow to coexist together and then i think rogue in the third x-men movie you know her whole goal was now i want to cure myself of these x-men powers and so i hope that caitlin can find a way to live with kind of the darkness, but not be overcome by it. Like, I hope she finds that happy medium. All right. Let's wrap up our discussion with Barry's plan to travel to the future to get ahead, pun intended, of what's happening with Iris. Uh, Andy, let's start with you. (laughs) Let's just, let's just right off the bat. Is this a good idea or not? Time travel? Good idea? What are, what are you talking about? When is when has that not been a good idea? Uh, oh, Flashpoint. I am... Um, no, I... Is is it wrong for me to say that I actually got really... I mean, I knew, we knew this was coming because of the title of the next episode, but, like, I'm so ready for this. I'm so ready to see my boy actually, like... I'm tired of seeing... When, like, almost two times in season one once in season two and also now one time in season three i'm so tired that these moments that we get of barry going back to the future you know going to the future or going to the past has always been an accident i'm like you know guys the flash is one of the most powerful supers in the dc universe stop like let him be powerful let him be powerful let him be able to able to do this so if and also because i love when barry gets to learn a new ability or a new side of his super speed so, like, I was, like, even though I'm, like, you know, it's not going to be good, it's not going to be good, it's not going to be good, it, it's, it's, it's going to make things a lot more worse, I'm, I'm still just, like, he's going to he's gonna be in control of it, though. Like, I, I like to see when he learns things and when, he, when he's, like, oh, I can do these things. I can, I can go back, I can go into the future, I can go back in the past. So, I, 
does that sound a little bit so because I, you know we spend this whole season hearing that you can't time travel barry it's forbidden it's not good but yet i'm i'm i, I mean i'm just selfishly excited for this um because even though i know there, there's gonna be probably a lot of risks but i know i mean i'm just excited i'm just looking forward to see him learn this new this new set of time travel because you know, like, like, heck, one of my all-time favorite episodes of Legends last year was when they went into the future, and I we haven't seen Barry do that at all on this show. And I'm like, well, he's a speedster; he, he can time travel, so I'm glad he's finally going to do it, and it's not going to be an accident. He's actually going to learn it, because I don't need to see him. Like, I almost wish that they hadn't done those things. Like, you know, back. I mean, season one was fine when he, episode fifteen, when he accidentally went back in time and got a reset button because I think that was such an iconic epic moment. But then since then, like he got he got sent back to the past by accident. Then he got sent to the future by accident for, because of the speed force. I'm like, don't take that away from us as you because I kind of want to see him be powerful. So um sorry, that was my rant. I'm done. <laughs> All right. I Lauren, what about you? Is traveling to the future gonna solve the problem? Um, I don't know if it's going to solve the problem, but I think it's going to make for a really fun episode. <laughs> um, I think, um, Andy, your point's interesting in that Barry's kind of learned that he's not allowed to time travel, but I think he's learned that he can't travel back in time to fix anything or to change anything. But, you know, going to the future isn't really a big deal because it's so like fluid and anything can change in the future. Um, I think it's interesting that he's going back to, well, is it a spoiler to say what year he's going to? I don't know what year he's going to. Do you know? Oh, the trailer says what year he goes to. We, I don't, yeah, I don't have to say that. We can, anyway, we, can, we can save it a spoiler section. Okay. I'll just say it's interesting what year he decides to go to because he has met people from different years and different, you know, versions of the future. He really could go to any, any version that he wanted. Um, I think it's interesting to note that Tom Cavanaugh directed this episode. You know, the title's really creative, the once in future flash, which is a nod to um, the book, the once in future King, which is this whole kind of Arthurian um, legend, you know, book that was written like a long time ago. I think there's just, I like it when there's literary Easter eggs in, in show titles, because I think it tells us a little bit about what's ahead. And, you know, if Barry, you know, he knows that he's like leading this amazing team, you know, he knows that he's kind of stewarding like Vibe's powers and Wally's powers. And he is kind of like the King Arthur of, of the show. And, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see like what he discovers about himself in the future and, you know, what he discovers about his friends and his family and, you know, the fact that the future isn't permanent as a legend like to say it's wet cement, like it's still drying, things can still change. I think it'll be more about like avoiding certain mistakes that he could make in this time, which I feel like that kind of is the whole crux of this season is, you know, you keep trying to course correct with Savitar, but, you know, you can't do that if you're going to compromise your integrity or who you are. And maybe he'll see a version of himself that compromised somewhere, and that will help him in his fight against Avatar when he comes back. All right. That's Brittany, it. what about you? I was saying that's interesting, like, that you tied into, like, the, the King Arthur legend. That's, that's, like, a cool thing. It's also based, uh, the title's also a comic. Like, the Once in Future Flash was a Mark Wade comic, uh, Flash comic, too. 
Um, but I like that it also has like multiple meanings than just like, yes, it's a comic and it's also like based on King Arthur and there's a bunch of different things that it could tie into. Um, I'm very excited for emo Oliver Wig, uh, Barry. Um, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm super just here for like the future and just like, I mean, and then we always talk about how the, the flash is so hopeful and it's so fun. I'm like ready for like not like not the darkness and the angst that we've seen this season, but like a different kind of darkness, a different kind of, you know, almost like a it's a it's a wonderful life type episode. Like this is how this is one version, or like um, what is this the Chris the Scrooge? Uh, oh, a Christmas Carol. A, Christmas Carol. A, I kept just thinking Scrooge McDuck, a Christmas Carol. <laughs> Me too. I was like, I don't know, I know, I know this. So not Scrooge McDuck. Yes, uh, Christmas Carol. Like, kind of like I love this. Those kind of things. Like, this is what your life could be. Like, and like Lauren said, the future is not set in stone. So it is a cool thing to see. Like, this is this is one. You know, I kind of am of the mind that like you know every choice you make can make a different path in your life, and every you know that theory that every choice you make creates a different alternate universe. So this is one path that Barry could take that would could lead to this universe. But if he goes back, there could be millions of other paths he could take to get to different places. So I really like that he's going to see this one version of his future. And I'm, I'm just ready for all of it. Amy. I agree. Um, the idea of him going to the future is certainly unique and something that I think is long overdue. So I'm excited to see how things go. Um, I hope that this episode, the next episode, doesn't feel too bodily because I feel like it has a possibility of feeling like a bottle episode. But I hope that there's that there's good potential, and I think I think that they've got a really good chance to to enjoy it because I uh, like like Brittany. I think you just said it, or Lauren. One of my favorite episodes of Legends was 2046 when they go into the future of Star City. That is certainly very entertaining. That's a lot of fun to see the what ifs. So I'm looking forward to that. That'll be a lot of fun. I did not know that it was that Lauren was saying something about it that apparently it's okay for speeders to go it's only forbidden for them to go back in the past, but the future is okay, so we should not expect to see a time rave go time the mentor or whatever flying after him and be like, You can't you shall not pass it. Oh my god, Cisco saying you shall not pass had me dying of laughter. That was amazing. I know I th- I don't think they should go and it's possible that he will see a time rave. What I'm saying is that all the lessons that Barry has learned so far are about you can't use your ability to time travel to mess with the past. Like you just have to let the past be the past. He might learn an entirely new lesson in this next episode, which is you also really shouldn't meddle with the future. But up till now, really the only thing that Barry knows is going backwards. And so I love the fact that he is, like you said, it was always an accident before and how he's like choosing to go to the future. And we've seen this in 12 Monkeys. We've seen this in Legends. We've seen this in Timeless. Although I don't think Timeless has gone to the future yet. Like they always kind of cross this ground in time travel shows. And I love that like the Flash can do it too. And they do it sparingly, which I think is smart. But I think it would be really cool to see the future and to see who he'll run into. Like I think Wally was in the trailer and there was a couple other people he was in, in the trailer. Run- I guess we're not talking about the trailer yet, but <laughs> yeah. But I there. hope he like calls. I wish there was like one ep- like like the beginning of the episode. He like, hold on, guys, I-, I gotta make a phone call before I go into the future. And he like calls up like Sarah and's like, yo, I need to ask you some questions first before I do this. Like, you know, like again, like it's like one of those things where like you have friends with experience in this in this uh, specific thing. You know, you might want to <laughs> call them and just you know ask for some advice. You know, like 
You, I don't you know. mean like oh, when the is... legends couldn't identify the speedster, and so they didn't bother calling Barry to ask if he knew who who Eobard was? They were literally they in. Get, uh, they, don't get, they, they don't get service on. They don't get service on the timeship. But Jack, right. but but Jax was in Jitters. We like we knew he was in the city. I'm like just <laughs> just, just just go. To, I, I, he was really the Jack of that episode. I'm sorry. I was like you could just go to Star Lab and be like yo. You ever seen this yellow guy? And they're like, oh, shit, oh, that is him. <sighs> the fact that Stein didn't even come up. <sighs> I digress. Um, I'm excited, though, that he's going to the future. Because I like to see when he gets more powerful. And, um, you know, and not to, not to hate on Cisco, but I'm actually excited for him to be able to do this without assistance. Like, I actually want to see the Flash be the Flash that we know that can do... You know, I I want to read the I want to see the Flash. I read in comics that constantly does all these things alone, but it doesn't always. I mean, I love that he has a team, but something it's nice to actually see him be able to do things on his own. Like even though I joke about Oliver Queen like on a consistent basis, I actually like when Oliver goes lone wolf and does things on his own because he is like one of the greatest like non superpower superpower people in the DC universe. So that's so interesting because I love the fact that Barry has such a great team to help him so it's cool oh. that we both enjoyed different elements of the show i mean i mean i love the team trust, trust me i do but it's like sometimes it's nice to see him just just alone you know i just want to see like you know, it doesn't have to be every episode but like every once in a while it's kind of fun like i actually hope it's someone maybe like in season three of legends like i would love to see what would happen with sarah if she was completely alone on a mission in a way rider like what would she do and uh, you know w- you know what would the captain do basically i like when these you know, because I mean, Sarah is kind of the lead of that show now. Oliver is the lead of Arrow. Car is. The lead. I I want to see when these heroes are actually on their own because that's what we're used to as comic readers. They don't always have the teams around. Um, but again, I will digress. Um, but overall, any um, what what are your overall thoughts on this episode? Like, did you like this a lot? Did you or you're like meh, or you're somewhere in between? Any, what did you think? Ooh, um, I wasn't overly impressed with the episode but i certainly didn't have any major qualms with it it's one of those episodes that i enjoyed watching um but i would not probably go back and be like oh i have to watch the abracadabra episode again whereas i have i i have literally been debating whether or not it's worth staying up an extra hour every night just to continue to watch the musical episode over and over and over again <laughs> i i listened to that music that music on my on itunes like 50 times at this point it's so good um Brittany, overall thoughts on this episode? I definitely liked it. I don't think it was my favorite. It wasn't my least favorite. Um, I think it was one of those episodes that might come back later and be like, oh, that was an important episode, or like it will have a bigger impact. I think it was not the last we've seen of Abracadabra. And I think, you know, some of the events that happened are going to like lay the groundwork for future events, or I hope they are. So I feel like once you know, we know more, get further into the season or even next season, it'll be like, oh yeah, that episode. Remember when this happened? I think that that's what might happen. And Lauren. Um, yeah, this was my favorite episode of the, the of this season. Um, in my recap, I definitely put in parentheses, but not of the series, which was clearly the musical. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the musical, I don't think anything will ever, 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 ever top that. But just in terms of like, just being an episode that I thought showed each character actually being true to themselves, you know, which I feel like, 
we had been lacking for a while. And there was two other things that I really liked that I just want to mention briefly. I really liked, there was like a slow, um, like the camera was panning over certain characters just set to music. There was no dialogue. There was no action. And the camera, like it went by Cisco very kind of slowly. And then it went by Iris kind of slowly. And then I think it went by Barry. And I was like, wow, you know, it's not common for like network shows that have this like breakneck pace of like, you know, 40 or 50 scenes in an episode for them to actually slow down and like show the emotional weight of something. And I feel like we got that this week which I really appreciated. And then like, what the scene, scene was that? It was, it was, oh, it was like, the, Oh, before Abbott left to Earth 19, before he got the start of the last act. Yeah. I really enjoyed that quiet touch. Like lost used to do that every once in a while. It would just have like a moment. And then the other thing that I don't think we really talked about that was so heartbreaking was like, first of all, we got to see jitters and I love when they like take a moment to go to big belly and arrow or when they take a moment to go to jitters on the flash. Cause it just lets you breathe just for a second and like not get so like caught up in like the action. And the fact that like Joe and Cecile and Barry and Iris were like talking about the engagement story and talking about singing I felt was so natural and so grounded. And then for Cecile to be like, guess what? I got you Hamilton tickets in (laughs) July. And they just looked at each other like Iris might not be here. Like that was a small scene that had great impact. And I really appreciated that. It was also super super relatable because, you know, you really do have to get those tickets like three years in advance. So like, (laughs) and super has been making like four or five. Hamilton exists in every multiverse, and I'm here for it. But, um, yeah, no, I also really enjoyed this episode. I mean, I, I don't think it's my favorite episode, but I do, I mean, I think Abracadabra is one of my favorite villains of the season, for sure. And, um, where the hell was HR this episode? Uh, with his lady friend. Tom Cavanaugh is prepping for his episode of The Flash. Hello. I, I, I don't know what was more disturbing. The fact that nobody noticed he was going to, I mean, on the team, not, it, I don't it, mean it, us. It, I mean, I did, didn't notice he was. I didn't notice. No, 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 it's fine. I was talking about the character. I was talking about the. No, I'm talking about the. Yeah, I'm talking about HR. Like when HR showed up at the end, I was like, "Oh, where, where have you been?" I noticed <laughs> in the middle of. I was noticing when I was lying to you. I was like, "Wait a minute, I haven't been annoyed by for at least 15 minutes of HR. Why hasn't he said anything?" I realized he's not in this episode. Um, I don't know what's more disturbing. The fact that the, the team. They didn't know that he was gone for almost a whole episode. Or to find it, because I'm sorry, for a second when he came in, I thought, oh crap, this is when they're going to reveal that he's Avatar. You don't disappear. Like, Angel, yeah, you I, don't... Thought, I thought something was going to come out of that fact that he was gone the whole time. I was like, wait, what does this mean? Like, he's coming back and it looks ominous. And he's just like, nope, I was on a weekend tryst. Well, who the hell is Rhonda? Shudder. Is she. Is she Sabotor? Did she kill Jason Blossom? No, but it's like, like she can't. <laughs> I'm having Riverdale withdrawal, you guys. I can't wait two more days for this episode to come out. Um, yeah. He, I, All right. Oh, you guys want to get into some feedback? Yes, let's go some feedback. All right, we got a lot of tweets and emails and Facebook messages. So, first one from Alexis Waverider. She said that Joan Iris scene was so emotional. From the preview... From the preview, the future looks so effed up mess without, uh, looks like an F up mess without Iris, so they need to save her at all costs. At Marcelio, oh gosh, I can't speak right now. <laughs> Marcelo Sear 
says, loved Abracadabra, best villain in a while. Great teamwork and some heartbreaking West family moments. And that ending, super sad, crying, blue emotional face. At CSP8, all I can say is, why? 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 Confused emoji, sad emoji, angry emoji. At Christy Haley, amazing episode, although the end made me uglier cry with that West Allen and Killer Frost. Truly amazing writing. At Kiana J92, it was lit. Barry got a new suit and an Oliver wig in the future. Oh my gosh, he got the Injustice suit like Ezra Miller's Flash. At Candice KPS, okay, I'm scared that Iris might die. So if you guys could offer words of comfort, that would be great. Um, uh, Google Arrow plus season four plus reaction and you'll be fine. They, they're not going to kill up on their iconic female character. <laughs> True story. At Austin <laughs> Lee Mead. I still wish he got away and Gypsy had to go over to Legends for a season three-ish thing to hunt him down. Like, not a full season, but a start. That's a cool idea. Would you want him on the Waymaker? Huh? Would you want want to see Gypsy join the Waymaker next season? Ooh. I think it would be great. That's an interesting idea. If Amaya is forced to leave, yes. Because we're going to be a girl down. Um, That'd be interesting. I don't know. I'd have to see. I like Sarah, they, Sarah they, would love doing, her. Sarah they're would doing really her. good at introducing new characters, though. I mean, Nate and Amaya this season have been excellent additions. So if they could just do that again next season, if we have to lose Amaya, then I don't know. We'll have to see. At Kanaya J92 also said. Oh, oh it's the same tweet. tweet. I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that looks awfully familiar. At Don West Allen, I hope Abracadabra is back. Maybe season four is big bad. And that ending super shocked emotional face. We did get an email from Swara Sali, who is a a frequent fan and uh, commenter towards these podcasts. So thank you, Swara. He said, this was an emotionally intelligent, poignant, and beautiful episode. Abracadabra was an excellent villain who forced virtually every character to reflect deeply on their struggles and summon the courage to do what's right. Seeing Iris and Barry particularly be brave enough not to succumb to Cadabra's temptation shows how far they've come as characters. Seeing Joe succumb to it was understandable, relatable, and heartbreaking throughout, especially him and Iris speaking on the couch. I know we always say Barry shouldn't mess with time, but I completely understand why he decided to travel to the future this time. I know it'll have consequences, hopefully not as much as when he travels to the past, but it just feels right in that moment. All of that, combined with a gut punch at the end of Caitlin's temporary death and turn to Killer Frost, made this one of The Flash's best episodes. P.S. I didn't notice or care that HR was missing for most of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This next one is from Lauren Waters. She said, hey, Flash Podcast gang. I really liked everything with this episode except the five minutes. I liked seeing Barry equipped with the villain again. Gypsy was great. And Caitlin talking her through her own surgery was pretty badass. My problem was that Caitlin was my favorite character, unpopular opinion, I know. And I don't want to see her be a full villain. It feels like we are losing a key dynamic in the team and an awesome female character. Plus, seeing her die, no matter how temporary, was pretty traumatic. Anyway, that's my little rant. I'm still excited to see what comes next. All right. Thank you to everybody who tweeted us and uh, emailed us and Facebooked us. Uh, We don't always get a chance to read everything that's sent to us, and sometimes we just miss things. So thank you guys for understanding. But we read uh, what we can and what we can fit in. So thank you guys for sending us your feedback. We love hearing from you. Yeah, and, and big shout out to um, that the guy who messaged on Facebook because that Jean Grey Phoenix comparison—that's all I needed. 
Yeah, oh, yeah. Really I, I love this. This is I'm my ca- this is my this is my canon now. This is my canon now. Nothing can change it. Barry, don't screw up the past, uh, because I'm I'm so behind this idea that it is the power that is the villain. So it's like it's not a persona, but it's just a power that you know can take over. I that that is that is that's my canon. So I, I'm really glad we got that um, that message. Um, but yeah, guys, uh, that's gonna be it for our episode discussion. You know, if you wanna tweet us your feedback, you can. Say, Email us theflashpodcast.gmail.com or tweet us at the Flash Podcast, or um, uh, you can tweet us individual hosts or whatnot. But uh, let's do some quick plugs. Uh, so, Lauren, thank you so much for stopping by. Awesome. Always, always uh, great to have you on. Where can people find you on social media? You guys can find me at Lauren Galloway on Twitter. I also recap the Flash and Arrow for comic book resources every Tuesday and Wednesday night. And... Um, I almost said Brandy. I'm like, you know, no, that's not going to... Brame. I almost going to say Brame. So, Amy, let's go with you first. Who, uh, where can people find you on social media and your other projects? I kind of like Brame. That's kind of cool. It makes us sound super smart. Like, we're like Ravenclaw status, Brittany. You guys are super smart, though. I, you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy underscore Marie 97. You can also find me as a co-host of the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. There's only two episodes left and I am super bummed that we're going to have to wait for like months before season three comes back. So for those of you who are Legends fans, I highly encourage you to listen in on our last two episodes for the Legends podcast because we're going to have a lot to discuss and lauren was on last week so you guys should totally tune in oh speaking of let's smart remember next week uh, because flash is off legends will be airing uh, on flash's time slot actually so you get to see legends an hour earlier than usual so yes. legends at 8 7 central on the cd wow that's been such a long time since i got to say that um and breaking where can people find you People can find me on Twitter at Kinda Movie Snob, K-I-N-D-A Movie Snob, um, and I write for The Marvel Report, and I also write for Screen Rant. And this weekend, you can find me at WonderCon with uh, Andy and uh, Lauren, and missing our Amy. Well, if I can make it, I'll be there, but I cannot guarantee and most likely will not be able to make it. <laughs> Real job. You'll be there in spirit. In spirit. Yeah, we, we can Skype you via iPads. So you can say like like Sheldon did in the Bang Bang Frame. Like we can put you on a fake pillow and we put the iPad where you see your head, drinking coffee or chocolate or whatnot. Uh, but yeah, we will be at WonderCon. So uh, if you see us, um, come and say hi because we love it. And um, yeah, I I mean, guys, you guys know the plug and so on. The only thing I want to point out is that I know there's been a lot of people asking about what's going on with the mega fee for DC Podcasts. We're working on it. Be patient. There might be a new iTunes feed, but we're working on it. We know the problem is out there, so you don't have to tweet us. We know the problem is go is happening, so we're gonna try and fix it as soon as possible, so you guys can get all the podcasts in one in the same feed. All right, guys, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here and do a brief spoiler section because there's no description for the episode. So, uh, but remember, the Flash will be back on Tuesday, April 25th. This is the last hiatus, guys. I promise you, CW, they. This is this is how television works. So, in a few weeks, Supergirl, Flash, and Arrow will all be back, and um, but you will have Legends tomorrow next week, and you will have Shield uh, if you want some Marvel TV, and Gotham will be back soon. So just be patient. But uh, yeah, we we might do some at least one special episode before we go into the the final six episodes of the season. So, but if you're just thinking for the spoiler section, um, from all of us here on the Flash podcast, Amanda B. I'm Amy Marie. I'm Brittany. I'm Lauren. 
and we will see you next time on the Flash Podcast. Before he even tries. You are gonna be so surprised when you find out. You're in for a world of pain. The Flash. All new episodes return Tuesday, April 25th on the CW. And welcome back. What you just heard was the audio from the trailer of uh, episode of the trailer from episode 19 of the Flash called The Once and Future Flash. And normally this is probably where we read a description and whatnot, but the CW hasn't released a description because <laughs> They probably wanted to hide that that Caitlyn spoiler. Uh, so uh, you'll probably see a description later this week on the Flashbugger.com website. But um, let's discuss this trailer because, boy, there was a lot of things we saw in this 30 seconds. So, Amy, what are your thoughts about that this episode? We're, you know, because time travel, that's your thing. We're going to the future and things look bat bleep crazy. Well, I'm certainly interested to see what the future looks like. This is very reminiscent of Legends of Tomorrow's episode 2046, where they go to the future of Star City, or I think it's called, I think the episode might actually be called Star City 2046. They go to the future of Star City and they see, you know, like old man Ollie. Um, and in this case, they're not going too far ahead. They're only going just a few years ahead. So things are not going to change drastically, but it looks like the they shouldn't change drastically, but Wally's in a weird chair and Joe looks like he's possibly gone for real and Cisco. So there's there's a lot of stuff going on. I'm excited to see what the, I'm excited to see what the future holds. I actually Why was that so funny? That Wait, why was that so funny? Because I, I realized that I was about to make a really bad pun as I was saying that and it was not intended. I, I I can't even think of what pun you could make out of this, uh, but okay. Uh, Laura, you were talking about um, the year that we went to. I, I, I missed what they said what year they went to, so um, you want to catch, catch us up? Yeah, so Barry says, I made it to 2024, which, if I'm correct, <gasps> that's the year from the newspaper headline that the show has been teasing since the pilot. The episode airs on April 25th. Right? So, <gasps> oh my pretty God. crazy. Um, do you need a minute? <laughs> what, what's the name of that other host? Brittany, um, your thoughts while I collect myself. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought they traveled to 2025 for some reason. Um, 
Yeah, I think the thing that most was, to me, was like, oh my god, Wally's in a wheelchair, like, what's going on? Like, I just, that was, like, the thing I was gonna say before, like, there's just so many little things that I, you know, it's always interesting to see, you know, again, like, it's a wonderful life, like, what does Iris's death have to do with everyone else's, um, you know, kind of almost downward spiral, it seems like, and I think one of the comments that we got today was, you know, talking about her importance and to the team and I think that's you know kind of what we're going to see in this next episode so that will be a nice thing to see or an interesting thing to see how one person person's death can affect the future for the other characters and you know especially if that affects Barry and you know it makes him lose his hope in some way uh it could it could cause a lot of repercussions for everyone so that I'm interested to see okay our boy is getting a new costume I, I okay. I did not notice this until three hours later, because people were messaging me like, "Andy, are you aren't you freaking out?" I'm like, "About what? He has a costume, new costume. Who has a new costume? Barry." I'm like, "No, he doesn't." Look in the trailer. I look in the trailer. I'm like, "Oh, look at that. He's looking very. I mean, boy, that looks really good. He looks. It's looking a lot closer to the comics, actually. Like you know, if you look at the gloves, and there's a lot more yellow now in the suit. Um, do we? Wow, that's a really bad wig. Okay, so okay, so everyone freaked out about emo Barry. I, can we can we address? I this? Le- I legit thought it was Oliver when I first saw the trailer. I was like, wait, what? So is there a reason why everyone is like loving the idea of emo Barry, or is it just like Andy's just too naive to understand it? Because I had so many people like for some reason excited to see him emo, and I'm like, like is this is this is this what the kids like now? You know, people being emo or like what 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 have I missed? Uh, what have I missed while living under this ba- big rock that I live under? Um, but um, I think it's just like a drastic change in his personality, and people are just excited to see that. And just you know, I don't know. I'm excited. <laughs> uh, anyone else want to add anything else um, before we wrap up? I really liked what Brittany was saying about It's a Wonderful Life, because usually in episodes and stories like It's a Wonderful Life, it's the main character who gets the glimpse of, oh, if I wasn't a hero or if I had died, what what would the world look like without me? And I like how this is not what the world would look like without Barry Allen to an extent. It's what the world would look like without Iris West. And I think that's really cool. Snaps. I'm excited to see this episode because um, um, Karina, Mc- Karina McKenzie, who people might recognize from the originals, uh, she wrote this episode. So I'm excited to see what she will be doing on the show. But um, but yeah, I think that, that will be it. Uh, as I know it's getting late for everyone. So, um, so yeah, so like we said before the spoilers, we will, some of us will be at WonderCon uh, this weekend. So if you spot us, come and say hi. But yeah, otherwise, The Flash will be back on Tuesday, April 25th. And... Um, we might, we will probably do at least one episode. I mean, I feel like the past four weeks, I think we pitched ideas on air. Like, I think Amy pitched something about the psychology about Barry. I think Andrew had something, had pitched something on air. Like, if, there are ideas on air that we can use if we need to. So, but other than that, we, you know, we're going to take a little break until we come back. Hopefully, with at least one more episode. And then it's a full ride until to see the finale so uh, thank everyone for listening and we will see you next time on the flash podcast